This week on Twip Weddings, Robert and I sit down for a little one-on-one to learn why he made the move to Sony cameras a few years ago. Plus, Robert will share the top reasons he thinks Sony cameras are a great choice for wedding photographers. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined again today by just Mr. Robert Evans. No Brian today. Just you no, and me Brian. Right no, no Brian. No Brian today. I think he's speaking this week, so... He's at a conference. It's just you and I today, and, and we're going to have a little fireside, little fireside chat today with with Robert. Uh, we're going to we're going to sit down and uh, just I want to. I'm curious to chat with you uh, today, kind of about uh, your decision to make the move to Sony cameras. Um, you yep. made the leap a couple of years ago, and uh, you're going to share so, sort of some of your you know top reasons why you think the Sony cameras are a great choice for wedding photographers. But uh, before we get into the show, we just want to remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several ways to interact with us. Uh, first, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. Uh, there you'll find the show notes for each episode, which contain links to everything we mention on the show, including our picks of the week. Um, you can also leave your comments and feedback for us in the comments section. Uh, if you have a question or a suggestion uh, for a topic that we might cover in a future episode, you can also email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you prefer using social media, just add the hashtag TwipWed to your post and we'll periodically check for those as well. And if you want to follow us, uh, probably the best place to follow us is if you go over, we've got a, a Facebook group. So it's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash TwipWed. Uh, new people joining up there uh, every day and people are posting questions and there's some discussion starting on there. So feel free to jump in there and uh, and participate with your fellow Twip uh, Twip Wedding friends in there. So. There are lots of ways to get in touch with us. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. So like I say, uh, Robert and I are just going to have a little fireside chat today, um, kind of talking about Robert's decision to switch to Sony. Probably anybody that's listened to the show knows that that Robert is a Sony artisan uh, and shoots on Sony cameras. Um, But, uh, you know, for most of your career, Robert, you shot weddings with sort of a mixture, right, of, well, probably film cameras. And then you were a, a Canon guy. Is that right? Correct. Um, the short and brief history is I've been shooting for 27 years. I shot my first wedding in January of 89. And when I started, uh, we were shooting actually Hasselblad. Like if you didn't shoot medium format cameras at that time, you weren't even considered, you know, a professional photographer. 35 was sort of looked down on. And then as film uh, itself got better and grain structure got better in film, it was okay to shoot 35 photojournalism sort of exploded. Um and I had Minolta cameras as a kid uh, because they were my father's. And then when it was kind of okay to shoot 35, um, I had a friend of mine that had a Canon EOS and I really liked it. So that was my first step and the reason that, that I bought it, you know, because I had just played with his. And up until about uh, three and a half, maybe almost four years now, um, I shot Canon. And I wasn't per se disappointed with my Canon cameras. Um, I was a little frustrated at times about some of the focusing and back focusing issues that, that Canon was having then, um, and some of the images not always being sharp, but it wasn't really enough to, you know, I wasn't angry by any means, but the reason that I switched or looked at Sony was because I was just hearing really great things about it. I noticed when they came into the market, probably about three or four years prior to, um, my switch, um, I thought, you know, like, that's interesting. It's a very big company. I, I'm going to watch them and see what they do. I knew a, a couple of the people who were the original artisans. Um, so 
I just started to hear really good things about it. And I was curious and I try not to be, you know, every photographer, I think a lot of us are very set in our ways and we are brand loyal, which, which you should be in some instances. Um, we do it how we do it and that that's how we do it. And we get old and curmudgeon-y, right? <laughs> right. And I, I try to be, I try to be open-minded about stuff like that. And, you know, switching camera brands is a, is a big, you know, thing to do if you're going to anything. Um, but I reached out to uh, to Sony um, actually through Gary Fong and I are really good friends, and uh, he was doing you know he told them hey Robert's interested in shooting your cameras, so someone contacted me and they said well what would you like and so you know I gave them uh, a few lenses and they sent me an A seventy seven which was the first camera that I shot um, and about four or five lenses and when I first got it. Um, you know, it is a little differently. Ergonomically, it's different. Um, probably like most photographers, I'm not a manual reader. I'm more of a, let me just figure it out. Jump in and person. figure it out, yep. And so I sat on my couch the night that I received it, and I just went through the menu and sort of looked at all the different settings in the menu and like what it did and sort of got familiar with it. And the first thing you'll notice when you pick up a Sony is that it, it had, which was at least different from my Canon, is that it has um, what they call OLED an OLED viewfinder, which is more sort of like live view, but um, it takes a sec to get used to. But once you get used to it, it's the most amazing. It's like one of the most amazing features on the camera because um, not only can you adjust your exposure, you know, aperture, shutter speed, and, and visually in the viewfinder, watch it change to the correct exposure. Whereas before with my Canon, if I were going to shoot on manual, I'd shoot it, take a picture, look at the back, shoot it, take a picture, adjust, look at the back. This one, you can just adjust it on the fly. And when you take a picture, I mean, of course, you can turn these functions on and off. The image will pop up in the eyepiece and not on the back of the camera. Well, actually both, but there's a sensor under the eyepiece that if your eyes up to it, it shows into the eyepiece. If you pull it away, it shows on the back. Mm. Um, but while you're taking pictures, uh, you can review what you just did. And the client doesn't have to notice what you're doing or you're staring at the back of the camera. So, uh, you know, we can sort of eliminate that chimping that a lot of photographers like to do and look at the back of their camera if you don't want to do that. Um, so, so for those who aren't familiar with the A77, then it's it's an it's a mirrorless. It's a translucent mirror in that camera. Um, and so then. So, yeah, it still has that ability. And now, of course, all you're hearing about or a lot of what you're hearing about are Sony mirrorless cameras, all the Alpha A7 series, the A7, A7R, A7R2, A7S, A7S2. Uh, you know, there's several iterations of this camera now that have have come out. Um, the A77 was a, still a digital SLR, not considered, you know, a mirrorless, although it did have a translucent mirror. So what's um, the, what's the difference then? What would be the major technical difference? I'm putting you on the spot on this one of the technical yeah, that, stuff, but I, I'm not super, super technical, but, um, they doesn't have a mirror that moves inside the camera, like a traditional digital SLR where the mirror flaps up and down. Okay. A mirrorless camera is, you know, image to sensor directly without the mirror. Um, so the advantages to that, um, you know, I think just less moving parts within the camera, smaller, uh, lighter cameras, uh, sharper, clearer images. And as Sony keeps uh, developing their sensors and, and making them more and more, I mean, they're really doing some amazing things right now 
leading the way. And I think one of the things that a lot of people don't know um, is, you know, that is kind of where their uh, engineering, you know, brilliance is, is in their sensors. Um, yeah. But Sony makes the sensors for all the Nikon cameras and yes. actually even some Hasselblad cameras. So those of you that are Nikon and maybe Hasselblad shooters, you know, chances are you have a Sony sensor in your camera. So you're already kind of shooting Sony. Right. Yeah, you're kind of halfway there. So what, let me ask you this. What was the last camera, what was the last Canon camera that you were shooting before you kind of started to wade so the into last, the, Sony, the Sony deep end? Um, I had the five, the, what is it, the 5D Mark II? Mark II. That was your last one? Um, I didn't, I right as that, like the three, I had a big job in the south of France and I was trying to purchase um, the 5D Mark III and the stores were out of them. And so I didn't get it. And then I came back and I was a little bit over it. I mean, even though I still wanted one, uh, shortly after that, they also released the new 70 to 200 version two. And I've heard that lens is really sharp and amazing, you know, but it went up from, you know, to 2000 or $2,200, whatever that is from about yep. a $1,200 lens. Yep. And, you know, I always say, um, you know, people will always ask me, you know, Robert, what's your favorite lens? And I don't think it really matters, you know, in the sense what camera you shoot from what I'm about to say. But if I have other lenses that are my favorite, I have several, but my answer to them always was, if you were going to shoot a wedding with one lens and you could only use one lens or that's the investment that you were going to make, I would purchase that 24 to 70, whether you shoot Nikon, whether you shoot Canon, whether you shoot Sony, because it's just a very versatile all-purpose lens. Now, most people are not going to do it with one lens, but if you're going to, if you're going to going sort of to that point, like people always ask me too, well, which camera should I buy? And I always first ask, well, what do you shoot? Mm -hmm. But especially now with Sony having so many bodies and when it comes to Sony. But um, if you're going to invest money in your camera equipment and it's a jump for you for the first time, I always say, you know, buy a nice piece of glass and put it on an older body <laughs> in that, you know, if you take care of that, save the box when you buy the lens and you take care of it. Uh, in a year later, you decide, mm, I'm, it's not for me or I don't love this lens or I don't want to do photography or whatever the reason is, even if you paid $2,000 for that lens or $1,500 for that lens, chances are it's only going to be two, $300. You're only going to lose two or $300 selling that lens, yeah. you know, a year or two later, you buy a brand new $3,000 camera body. And in six months, it's not worth that anymore. It's just like a computer. Or so a it's car. something, to, <laughs> it's something right. Or a car. It's yeah. something to think about. Yeah. So if you're exploring, um, getting you know different cameras different bodies i know that's the biggest obstacle for most people is like well i have all this glass mm -hmm. and how can i switch to sony or how can i switch to nikon or whatever you're switching to um but that's kind of the commitment and the nice things with this e-series now is that you know there's companies like metabones that sells adapters so that you could still let's say like me you went from canon to sony you can buy this metabones adapter all your autofocusing all your you know sensors lighting everything works if you buy the right adapter and you can still use your canon lenses and then you could slowly work your way over it if you like that um kind of transition over and, and then start buying your sony glass or your zeiss glass or 
Correct. specifically made for those those so for those again who aren't maybe technical or don't don't, don't know a lot about the the sony cameras let's i want to come back to the lens uh, discussion in a moment and kind of the mounts and stuff like that but i want to talk about the actual transition itself when you made the kind of made the jump so you got your hands on some sony cameras to sort of try out and, and sort of field test a little bit did right. you start kind of did you jump in with both feet right away or did you kind of wade in and kind of go half and half or what what was that so, experience like yeah so how i did it um it was almost, I want to relate it from switching from film to digital, but not so drastic because mm. <laughs> that was a big commitment and a big jump. But, um, but there's a learning curve still though, right? Like it's ergonomically different. Play, right. Buttons are not, different, so. so of course I started off just playing with it, shooting my kids, shooting things, sort of getting used to the camera. Then I started taking it with me to jobs and shooting a little bit of Sony, but while shooting mostly with my Canons and, um, Slowly but surely, you know, what I discovered from the Sony, of course, right away was I was really, really impressed um, with the image quality, how sharp the lenses were. Uh, the dynamic range in the sensors is absolutely stunning. Um, one of the first pictures that I took was a I was at a conference, uh, kind of a wedding related conference, but not photography. And I just grabbed this girl that was there and I said, hey, can I take some pictures of you? I'm testing out this new camera. We went out. Uh, this was up north and Big Sur, Carmel area. And uh, I put her under a tree. And of course, when she was facing me, you know, her face was all in shade. But behind her, the sun was behind her. It was, you know, kind of like late middle of the day. So everything was really very hot. The sun, you know, was kind of like that dead yellowy grass. So very hot behind her. And I just exposed for the shadow side of her face, just like you would do with film. And, uh, when I looked at the image, and of course I photographed it raw, when I looked at the image in Lightroom, you know, it was a little blown out behind her, but with making an adjustment in, in the highlight adjustment, it brought, the information was there. And that's all because of the sensor. I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty amazing because, you know, I can bring this back and like I can shoot and sort of expose like I did with film where you're exposing for the shadow and you can let the highlight blow out or typically with digital, you're exposing for the highlight. And dealing with the shadow right um so that's one of the things that really first caught my attention the vividness and the color of the sensors of the sony cameras like i mentioned the sharpness of the lens there were some little things even on the a77 and the a99 which i shot shortly after i got an a77 because it came out i really loved the articulating screen on the back of the camera um it, it basically rotates in a bunch of 20 different directions so i really found myself using it uh at a reception uh, a lot where I could like pull the screen back, I could flip it down, but I could hold the camera. Those of you who are looking, sort of watching the show, I could hold the camera above my head, but look up at the screen. So I was framing my shot and not guessing, you know, during a Jewish right. wedding, maybe a horror or a big group of people, not guessing where I was pointing the camera and hoping I got the shot. Now I could actually just look up and frame it. Or then the flip side of that, the opposite of that is, uh, doing a low angle shot. I didn't have to be that dorky photographer that laid on the ground, let's say, especially in the middle of the ceremony. I mean, I wouldn't do it anyway, but now I could just place the camera on the ground, look down at the screen and the frame. And Sony also, another amazing feature, has in it what's called uh, focus peaking. I shoot in manual a lot. The only time I shoot in autofocus is when I need, you know, when someone's moving, maybe during dancing, maybe during ceremony when they're walking back down the aisle. There's manual focus, the, just to clarify, not not manual, like yeah, manual, manual, manual but manual focus, right? Yeah, thank you. I shoot in manual focus a ton. 
and Sony has a feature in their cameras. It's called focus peaking. And you can set the color of the focus peak to yellow, white, or red, whatever your preference is. But wherever you focus, it will be highlighted in the shot. And you see it a lot, especially if you're using a very telephoto or tight lens and a shallow depth of field where you can watch the focus go from front to back of the you know, of the image, but that way I could place the image, I could place the camera on the ground, look down at the screen and focus and not have to look through the camera and worry about where my focus was. I knew by looking at this focus peaking and I really loved that feature as well. And so, I mean, I just, you know, within the first month of, of shooting these cameras, I was pretty much hooked and I was like, wow, I really, really love that. The cameras, the A99 came out shortly after that. And uh, they sent me one about two weeks before it came out. Um, and I got to shoot it uh, after shooting their cameras for about, I don't know, like a month or two months. I think I got my first Sony around the end of August and, you know, middle of September. They said, hey, do you want to come to New York next month and speak at Photo Plus? And I kind of laughed because I was like, well, you know, I've only been shooting your cameras two months. Like, you know, what do you want? What do you want me to talk about? But, you know, of course, I figured it out and I jumped on the opportunity because I sort of did, you know, love the camera so much. And I said, I'd love to represent this camera and, and be an artisan. And and I made that known, you know, I told them, hey, I would love to work with you guys. I would love to be an artisan. And um, but basically I worked and did my what I call my Sony internship for a little over a year and, you know, kept hoping that that's what was going to happen and, and being it known. And, and one day out of the blue without any uh, talking points or anything, I literally received in my email a contract from Sony, you know, their two-year contracts inviting me to be an artisan <laughs> and nobody said anything. I mean, I sort of did have a, a you know, the, all the artisans have a, a, a handler, if you will, or a point of contact person who who works with us. And she didn't even say anything to me. She just emailed me the contract and I was, <laughs> you know, super excited. And uh, I really, you know, like, so I started off sort of as a curiosity and really developed a love for it. And after about, I would say, two months, actually, the very first job that I shot, I still had the 77, but the very first job that I, I did not bring my cannons with me and I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to throw caution to the wind and shoot all Sony today was was a celebrity job. It wasn't a it wasn't a wedding. I was doing a, a birthday party uh, for Jim Carrey um, and it was his house in Malibu. And I, I was like, I'm just going to shoot the Sony today. I don't care. And uh, so it wasn't, you know, a huge it wasn't a wedding, but it was still, you know, a celebrity. It was super important. But I mean, yeah. I trusted it that much. I was comfortable with that much. I was just convinced. That, and from that moment on. I probably I never shot my cannons again, and they sat I, they sat for well over a year um, before I sold everything and you know sort of used that money to purchase a little bit more Sony stuff. Yeah, so uh, that was gonna be my next question, kind of yeah, what with the gear um, and making that transition from Canon to, to Sony, um, were there what were some of the biggest challenges you found in terms of like were you able to configure like I know, I know Gary has a video series that he shows you how you can set up these you know, different cameras to, to mimic or be the same as what you're familiar with. Um, did right. you find there was a, a steep learning curve or was it fairly seamless in terms <clears throat> of modifying the, the controls and, and things so that it felt familiar? Cause that's one of the biggest, I would think one of the biggest challenges is a lot of this stuff becomes very muscle memory, right? We become very right. tuned into where everything is on our camera and, and to the point where we're, hopefully we don't have to think about it. We can just do it even in the dark or, you know, and be right. able to do it really quick. That, that to me, I think would be a big, that would be a big fear of mine moving to another system. 
is having to relearn all that and re, you know, get that muscle memory back. It was really pretty easy. Uh, um, other than, like I said, I spent the night on the couch when I first got it that night and like looking at the ergonomics of the camera. Yeah, the buttons are in a few different places, but you very quickly, you know, using and doing is learning and you very quickly get used to where that stuff is. Of course, the menus are extensive as in most digital cameras. So, you know, you sort of have to spend a little time getting to know those and, uh, and learning where the different things are and, and what all those menu functions do. I don't really say like, I'm like not a super technical photographer or geeky like that, but I definitely, you know, know what my cameras do. In most cases, I know, uh, how to make them work and what to do. And, and you mentioned Gary's YouTube channel uh, for all the Sony stuff, which is actually amazing. You know, sometimes I will go there myself and just watch those videos just to get an answer to something like, oh, you know. And of course, every new camera comes out. The nice thing is all their menu structure is really pretty much the same in every single camera. They vary different based on the, the what the camera does and the features that they have. Um, but, you know, it, it's quickly and easily learnable, especially with his videos. Um, you know, you learn a ton. There's, and I've never seen any other product out on the market like that. You know, he spent a lot of time and Gary doesn't get paid by Sony. Gary does that because Gary wants to do it. And he really believes in the product as well. Um, he can't, you know, because if people that don't know who Gary Fong is, he, he makes the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, I want to call it the Fong Dong, but the, <laughs> <laughs> that's his, his diffuser is on his uh, yeah, Gary Fong. Right. The his Gary diffusers Fong diffuser. and yeah. a lot of other products, and so he's pretty well known in the in the industry. But he can't, you know, commit to one camera brand uh, just because you know it kind of hurts his brand. So, but he can he can like what he likes and recognize a good product, and so that's that's kind of like what he does. Um, the other thing that I love, like one of my other favorite features about the Sony cameras is the in-camera Wi-Fi. So all their cameras um, have in-camera Wi-Fi. The A99 did not and the A77 did not, but all their cameras going forward have Wi-Fi in the camera. And it's really great um, for NFC technology. So if you're an Android user, you just tap the camera to your phone and it transfers the image. If you're not an Apple user, iPhone user like myself, um, you basically just connect to the camera's Wi-Fi like you would any other Wi-Fi. You put in the password once. Um, so I have, you know, my phone knows, you know, seven of my different cameras' Wi-Fis. You know, so no matter what camera I have, once I do it once, the, the phone knows it. And uh, I push transfer on the back of the camera, send this image, it sends it to my phone, and then I'll send it up to Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'll use it on the wedding day to show clients. A uh, story I like to tell, I was doing this really big wedding uh, last October in upstate New York. And it was a, with a real big wedding planner, probably one of the top, you know, five wedding planners in the country, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, they had some, it was a multi-million dollar wedding. It was at the same property that Chelsea Clinton got married at. And this was mm -hmm. the only the second wedding to ever be there. And uh, so multi-million dollar wedding, multiple days. And, you know, he had somebody there shooting detail and decor. And probably most photographers, you can relate. We don't like that. We want to shoot the detail and decor. Sure. And we, and we want to, you know, give the images to the planner and get the referral and make a new contact, et cetera. So, uh, I, you know, in a job like that, you know, I was getting paid well, of course, and, you, you know, I can't really do much about it. But I walked around with a wide lens, a 20 millimeter 2.8 on my A6000, which is only like a $550 Sony camera and handheld, you know, and shot all these amazing room shots with the camera at the time. Um, 
and just click, click. There were several different areas. And I went up to the planner. Well, so I had transferred three or four of the images to my phone via the Wi-Fi. And I went up to the planner and I said, hey, David, here's, you know, here's what your room looks like. And he was like, so he's like, oh my gosh, how did you shot that with your phone? And I was like, no, I sent it from my camera to my phone. He's like, those are so amazing. He's like, text those to me right now. And so I text him three or four images and he put them out on his social media, tagged me in them. And right away I got the credit for it. So yeah, I didn't, you know, shoot his room. shot. I mean, of course we shot our own room shot. Sure. Yeah. You know, I had a crew there, but um, I got the immediate benefit of him being excited about it and sending it right out. Yeah, that's great. Cause we're always, I mean, we're always up against that battle now, nowadays, right? With smartphones and, and everything else, right? With guests at the, at the wedding and everything like that. You know, we're under, we're under immense pressure now to get these people want their images like yesterday. Right. And, right. You know, and we, we, we talked about a, a story where the photographer in Australia, where, you know, he delivered their album at the reset, like right. you know, at the reception. So there's, there's this increased pressure on us as wedding photographers that, you know, to, to beat everybody else to the punch. Right. So that's a great example of, mm-hmm. of a feature that, you know, allows us to kind of get a, ahead of the crowd, but not just take a shot with just our, with our iPhone or our Android phone or, or whatever, right? We're going to get an actual, you know, well-composed, good quality right. shot from an actual camera. Well, and you can still, the great thing is you can shoot raw images, but it doesn't obviously send a big raw file to your phone. Um, you can, you know, it just sends a JPEG, but the quality is amazing. And again, you can put that out on social media. You could text it to the cake person, the flower person, the location, you know, whatever. You know, you yeah. can score some serious points. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I wish I wish more of the canons had that. Um, you know, I, th- I think it'll come, but, but they're just they seem to be slow to reacting to that stuff for for whatever reason, even in the whole mirrorless space just you know right. canon is right. just you know so far behind and and nikon as well they're you know they're they're still you know i don't know if they're just afraid they don't want to cannibalize all of their well, existing i have an opinion on that i mean just my own kind of thinking about it if you think and, and i'm not trying to knock either company you know they're both they make both great products but i just think sony makes a better product right now um but canon is a lens company if you think about that all the lenses that they have out and you know, so for them to make a mirrorless camera, they would have to develop lenses that went to that mirrorless camera and kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit mm-hmm. if they did that. You know, Sony did it early on, so I don't think it made a huge difference. You know, they had they had lenses for their A-series cameras, but they developed a whole new line of lenses. And if anything, you know, they're, they're still, you know, catching up on the lens game for their A-series cameras, but there's some amazing lenses out there right now, and they're just coming out... Uh, with more and more, uh, you know, we always record this show, you know, early. So you guys will hear this, you know, I don't know the delay, like we a month or so behind, but, uh, by then I think you might hear some new lens announcements from Sony. I mean, again, the rumor mills are, you know, there's something coming, but we don't know what. So I'm excited to kind of see the other thing too, that, that really sort of, and this might sound a little silly to most of you, but I mentioned that I started off shooting Hasselblad and, and Hasselblad has all Zeiss lenses. So when I saw Zeiss made a lot of the lenses are, you know, in conjunction with Sony, Sony makes some of the lenses, Zeiss makes lenses with them. I was really sort of, it was nostalgic for me in that, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's Zeiss lenses. And I knew, you know, and again, if that were my frustration with Canon, it were the, it was the lenses. So I was super, super excited to, you know, be able to go back and shoot Zeiss lenses again. Yeah. So let me ask you about perception. This is a perception question. Um, 
they're, they're, I mean, we know different, right? As photographers, we know different. I think if you talk to most photographers, a camera is a camera is a camera. To the general public, though, if you walk into a room with a couple of big SLRs and a couple of lenses versus, say, walking in with an A6000 with a small, you know, uh, lens on it, are you concerned at all or is it, have you ever, is it just thought not even crossed your mind in terms of will you be perceived as not being the professional photographer because you're not walking in with these giant, <laughs> you know, beastie cameras? Right. Or do you think that's an old, is that old thinking and that people are over that and they understand now? that this- I think there might be a little bit of it left, but I think, you know, in today's people, you know, accept it now with all the mirrorless that Sony's put out and the buzz that Sony has in the industry right now, you know, you walk in with a Sony camera and people are going to be okay with it. And I think ultimately for those of you, you know, I've heard a few females mention this to me saying that, you know, well, you know, I already have to sort of overcome the fact that I'm female. So I have to walk in with a big camera and, and that's no slide on them, but I, I, they've said it to me, like, I need to have a big camera to look like I know what I'm doing, but that's not the case. I mean, I think if you're confident and especially if you're confident in your camera that's in your hand and you know, the quality that you're going to give your clients, you do your thing and you just hold your head high and shoot your cameras and, and, you know, be proud. And I mean, I personally think that's one of the, you know, again, highlights of these Sony, these new mirrorless cameras is that they're smaller and lighter. And even me as a guy, I love it. Like by the end of the day, I mean, we all know carrying around a digital SLR with a 70 to 200, how heavy that is, Mm -hmm. whether it's Nikon, Canon, you know, even my Sony, my A99s, I mean, it, it's all the same size. You're carrying that around an A-series camera, A77 II, you know, A7S II, A7R II, you know, the current bodies with the 70 to 200, it's a super light lens and, you know, still gets the same quality kind of, you know, combined with the 70 to 200 uh, for the Sony E-mount as an F4. And it, but, you know, people say, oh, F4, well, 2.8. You know, I want 2.8, I want fast. It doesn't matter with the high ISOs that these cameras have now. You know, the A7S II, the A7S, you know, F4 doesn't really matter. You can shoot it in super low light. It's such an amazing lens. As a matter of fact, like, I love um, one of my favorite lens com- camera lens combinations, honestly, is the A6000 with a 70 to 200 on it, F4, to shoot sports and action. I have kids. They all play sports and it sort of started off, you know, shooting it that way. But the A6000, I think I mentioned it before, it's about a $550 body. The 70 to 200 uh, G series uh, E-mount for the Sony is about 1400 1400 I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so for $2,000, give or take with a little tax, uh, you can have an amazing camera combination and a uh, I will allude to that might be my pick of the week this mm, week. Perhaps. Um, uh, but, you know, for a, a $550 body, it's a great way for you to jump into Sony, you know, experience uh, what they are. Now, that's not a full frame, it, it, the, the A6000, but still, I've shot that lens combination, the A6000, 7200, baseball, hockey, soccer swimming, all my kids' sports. But then professionally, and this will sort of allude back to your question, I took the A6000, just that camera and just that lens on the sidelines at an NFL game. I have friends in high places, so I got on the field and uh, I shot that lens. I got some of the most amazing photos because, first of all, it's 11 frames a second 
And the autofocusing in the A6000 is the fastest, I think, out of almost any Sony camera. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely, you can shoot 11 frames a second and you won't miss a thing. You'll get shots that, that you never thought you would get. And now I'm on the sidelines with these, you know, NFL photographers and people that do this all the time. And you should have seen the looks that I was getting. <laughs> they were so, probably out there with their like big cannons and big Nikons, yeah, their 400 know, mil lenses. But and... I could see the looks that I was getting. But after a while, a couple of them came up to me and like, you know, asked, of course, what are you shooting? What is that? And and then, you know, I was Wi-Fiing some of my favorite images to my phone. And so I could just show them right away. So that was blowing them away. Yeah. And then they were like, oh my gosh, like they saw the action and the pictures that I was getting. They're like, dude, those are good images. And I was like, yeah, this is my first time on a sideline. And they were really, you know, shocked. Um, I shot it at yeah, I, shot Red, <laughs> I shot it at Red Bull Crashed Ice this last winter. Um, again, worked well in a, you know, I was shooting about, I think, 16 to 2500 ISO at 500 at F4. Um, and stopping all the action, catching some amazing. I've shot it indoor at rodeos, so you know, inside an arena with just arena lighting. Uh, you know, I sort of focused on again, just kind of on the fun action stuff. I shot the guys falling off the bulls and the horses, mm -hmm. as opposed to them riding them. Of course, I shot a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah. It, the camera just impresses me. I'm super excited for whatever the next iteration of that camera is. I mean, I've been waiting. I think it's due out soon. Um, you know, so I'm kind of excited to see what they come up with the next version of that camera. But uh, it's quite an amazing little camera for the price. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I know a few uh, people that have picked up that camera, even even if they shoot Canon or Nikon or whatever. Sometimes I've heard them just picking that up as their travel camera. It ends up yeah. being kind of their compact, yeah. you know, their travel camera. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, if you had to run down and say the, the top five features of Sony cameras as far as, you know, for a wedding, keeping in mind for a wedding photographer, um, yep. what would you say the top five features would be? The OLED viewfinder. Okay. Um, focusing and adjusting, well, not just focusing, but I mean, really adjusting your exposure on the fly and reviewing images. Yep. Uh, the focus peaking, um, the lightweight of the camera, yep. you know, how, how light it is, you carry that around all day. Um, the weight of the camera, how much lighter and uh, it is. Probably um, important if you shoot if you shoot any destination weddings or you do any travel, right? That's probably yeah, a huge plus. Yeah. Is that now, you know, the, My, the airlines are getting tighter and on their restrictions and what you can carry on and all the rest of it, right? So you can probably reduce the size of your kit bag by quite a bit by by going right. to these smaller mirrorless and, systems. And you're talking to someone that travels a lot with yeah. their cameras. And it, it definitely it's lightened my it's lightened my load. Um, I really enjoy it. it's a little more pleasurable walking through the airport right now. Uh, of course, the sensor and the you know eleven or twelve stops I forget what it is of dynamic range that these sensors have, and they just keep getting better. Um, have I reached five yet? I think you um, reached five. One there was a there's a feature that I saw demonstrated. I think it was a WPPI. I think you were speaking in a booth with Mike Cologne. Uh -huh. And he was showing off the, was it the silent? Oh, the silent shutter. The silent yeah. Shutter. So now that feature right now, again, is on the A7S, probably definitely the A7S2. It might be on the A7R2. I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, but the silent shutter, it's actually kind of really creepy shooting it because the camera does not make a sound. You put it on silent shutter. The reason it can't be on all the cameras, it's it's due to the 
limit, limitations of the sensor. So certain sensors are able to do that now. Um, but it's really like, so in a ceremony, if you need that camera during a ceremony and you have to be absolutely quiet or you want to maybe go where you're not supposed to go, mm-hmm. I'm not condoning that. Don't want to attract but, attention. Yeah. But nobody's going to know that you're there maybe or they won't hear the camera at least. And I'll also use it. I've used it during toasts when the room's like really quiet. I mean, the nice thing about the Sony cameras is, first of all, the shutters are quiet anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a really great. I just use them for the second year in a row. I shoot Google Zeitgeist every year, which is sort of Google's version of TED. Mm-hmm. And it's a conference and they have speakers. And so while the speakers are talking, and, and I was especially told by, um, you know, obviously my contacts at Google that a lot of the Google uh you know, execs, including Larry Page and and some of them, they don't like to hear the cameras going off. So that was sort of what I was told. And I shot the A6000 with the 7800 uh, for both sight guys for my speaker shots because it's quiet. Um, you know, it's fast, you know, catching a speaker. You know, I put it on kind of a medium shutter uh, to catch them. Um, so it, that works out great. Another tip I kind of wanted to give earlier, um, also, like, I talked about shooting the A6000 and shooting sports 11 frames a second. One thing that I realized and that I learned from doing that, because I'm not that type of a shooter when I shoot weddings. I don't shoot a high shutter, you know, high frame rate. Um, I'm a very, like, observer, observe and shoot. I don't ever put it on, you know, a fast function to go and catch. You pick your spots. I pick my my images. I watch, you know, and I shoot the moment. And it's sort of fun for me. It's almost that challenge of can I catch it? Right. But where I have incorporated the the high speed uh, frame rate and that camera is, I will use my A six thousand if I'm outside a lot of the times outside ceremony where I'll put on a wide lens. You know, maybe a twenty four to seventy, maybe a sixteen to thirty five, uh, sixteen to thirty five preferably, and I'll put it on a you know eleven frames a second. And when my couples are backing down the aisle, you know, autofocus. And I just back down with them and just let it fly. But yep. and in the past, I might, you know, we all know how hard that is. You know, you, you've got to catch a good expression and they're looking at people and friends and all that. You know, I might get two or three, you know, good images of the couple coming back down the aisle. Doing it this way, there's 10 or 15 to choose from because you're catching like all these little split seconds of emotion and reaction. And yes, maybe you don't want to deliver that, but when you deliver five stunning images of them coming down the aisle, instead of, Oh, I got one and this was a blank and here you're shaking someone's hand and you're looking at, you know, that. So that's one area in wedding photography where I will utilize my sort of sports techniques. Yeah. I saw something cool too. I think it might've been Gary or somebody was demonstrating where you can actually register um, faces in the, in the camera. And then it'll, it'll prioritize those faces in terms of the focus tracking, right? So you Correct. could you could register the bride and the groom's face and it would sort of give them priority on the scene. Yep. We haven't even talked about that, but it has face detection, um, which just like your iPhone or any phone you're using, a little square will come up. It's really cool if you're shooting a group shot and you have face detection on because you'll have like 30 screens, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 30 little squares pop up and recognize faces. But not only will it do, will it do that, a lot of the newer cameras have what they call, uh, it'll, it'll just detect the face but it'll also you can set the focus point to the eyeball so you know when we're shooting people we're focusing on their eyes mm-hmm. making sure their eyes are sharp so you can set that focus point to the eyeball and it will also just grab onto the eyeball and 
and help with the focus as well. Yeah. So let me just to kind of, I, we, we could probably go on for a, a while on this, but we don't want to run too long on this, but I wanted to, is there anything that you, is there anything that you're missing that you've, you know, you've been shooting it now for a while. Are there any drawbacks or any things that you go, you know, they can maybe do this. I've heard one thing's battery life is, is a bit of a concern because there are yep. all more electronics that you have to, you're going to chew through a few more batteries. Is there any other things that you're longing for that you don't have since you, since you made the switch? Honestly, no. Battery life is a good point. I mean, if anything, Sony could approve on is is and we, you know, as artisans, and I'm sure the public, like, you know, want their batteries t to last a little bit longer. Um, you just make sure that you have several of them. Uh, you know, if you purchase a camera, of course, you're going to get a battery, but I'd get yourself, you know, three or four uh, so that you have them. Um, so that definitely could be approved on. But I mean, what they're doing, and you know, even the new sensor that's in these new cameras, the back illuminated sensor. You know, gosh, it's just it's so exciting to see what they're going to come out with next. But, you know, so you have the now you have the in camera five point stabilization as well as whatever lens stabilization you might have, you know, the high ISO. Uh, there's so many things. But I mean, I'm not missing anything that I did from my Canon days, um, especially as as they get better. So, yeah, I mean, that, I think battery life would probably be the one, you know. Yeah. One thing that could definitely improve on. What, what about uh, compatibility with like other other accessories? Like I'm thinking off camera flash, and even what kind of what memory cards do they take? Because I know I had a Sony camera, like a digital kind of early on, just a little point and shoot, and they had their own proprietary like memory stick thing. They're always more expensive, and you had to get a separate reader for it. And have they gone away from? Because I know like Sony was beta, but everybody else was VHS. Like they always seem to go against the flow. So I'm wondering on their cameras now in terms of compatibility with accessories and and, and that kind of stuff. Right. Well, all their cameras take SD cards, okay. so that was a, that was a little interesting for me to switch. I mean, it's just sort of a mindset, but from switching from CF cards to SD cards. But again, they're smaller, mm -hmm. and you know they hold just as much memory. But I, I think it's kind of funny. Like, how can this little you know tiny card hold 128 gigs if yeah. I wanted to, or 64 gigs? Um, their cards are fast. Um, they take dual so cards most of their bodies now most of their bodies take single cards i know that's another thing in some cameras that we've said you've got to have the room to do it to have dual card slots yeah um but most of them take just it's a single card slot mm. um accessory wise i mean you can use uh you know i have i don't you i have you know of course uh, off camera lighting and uh my remotes just you know triggers go into the hot shoe uh so you know, depending, it's going to depend on what company that you use. Um, you can do, if you have multiple flashes with Sony just on camera flashes, you can make one a slave and, and use them that way. Yeah. Do they have, um, can you work them with, say, Canon flashes or Nikon flashes or? There might be a way to do that, but I don't know that. Yeah. I don't have that. I would say no, but maybe there's some company that makes the third party you know, device to make that work. Cause you don't hear um, a lot of talk, like you hear a lot about the Nikon creative lighting system and even Canon now with their new, with their new flat, newer flashes and things like that. You don't hear as much on the Sony side. So I was just curious about that. Cause I like to use a lot of, you know, off camera flash and, and whatnot. So 
Yeah. Even for the new, you know, I've purchased uh, smaller flashes for my e-mount bodies. You know, not this, I couldn't use the same flashes I had for my e-mount bodies, which, you know, were big, bulky flashes, like just like the Canon or the Nikon. And the little ones, it's really amazing. Like, you know, you kind of look at it, you're like, oh, this is a toy flash, but it does an amazing job Mm -hmm. and it works. You know, I shoot a lot of available light and I probably one of the only few times that I put a flash on at a wedding uh, would be during the reception. Um, and, you know, usually for shooting, dancing and candidates and things like that, you know, I throw on a 20 to 20, 24 to 70 or a 16 to 35 with my flash. Uh, I'll put the diffuser on to spread it out a little bit, but it's nice. I can just walk around camera, you know, then as an instance where I would use autofocus, especially shooting like fun dance cannons. I don't even typically ever look through the camera. I just walk around holding it up, looking at the people and, you know, just snap, snap because, you know, the autofocus works so great. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe in the, sh- maybe when we put together the show notes for this episode, um, you could send me a little list of kind of what your gear kit-, kit consists of and we'll kind of, we can put that in the notes. And then maybe if you got a couple of images that you're really proud of that, you know, you've captured with say your a 6,000 or one of the Sony cameras, we can kind of include all that in the blog post. So people are curious to kind of pick some people <clears throat> sure. a little bit and, and, and see what's in your actual gear bag. I actually of- have to, I will send you a picture because ironically right now Sony's asking me to in the February issue. So we, this should be out by February. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a feature on me in alpha universe, uh, the magazine. And uh, you can view that of course in the magazine and there's a brand new Sony site for those of you that are a little bit curious. It's alpha universe as well. Sony alpha universe. Um, and you can go there and, uh, or it's just alpha universe.com. It features, you know, all the different artisans, but there's articles and there's a place uh, to discover and see where people are speaking and other people, you know, there's a page where they're pulling in content from other people that use Sony cameras. So if you want to put anything online and you hashtag it, uh, Sony Alpha, mm-hmm. um, that, that pulls from that hashtag, but it's a pretty good informative site. Um, but anyway... Um, that article is going to be on some of the lenses that I use and how I use them at weddings. So a little bit, an extension of what we're talking about here. Um, and anyway, they want me to do a what's in my bag photo. Okay. So I actually need to do that here in the next day or so. Oh, so perfect. Excellent. I will get that. that shot and then you can have a copy of it. Excellent. That sounds good. Perfect. Well, good stuff. Well, um, yeah, so, you know, some great advice. I think, you know, those that are considering making, you know, the transition to another camera system, you know, I think I'm hearing a lot of good things about Sony as well. I'm curious, you know, about Sony. I, I definitely want to, you know, investigate a little bit further. It's, you know, it's it's not easy to make the, the jump for sure. It's financially, there's a bit of an investment there, right? But, yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of waiting. I'm holding, I'm hanging on to hope that Canon's just going to come out with something here that's just going to blow blow me away and, and you know, keep me on board. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my Canon stuff, but I see some of these cool features like the, the, you know, the Sony or even, you know, a friend shoot, was shooting the Nikon, the new D750 and it had the, you know, the built-in Wi-Fi and these kinds of things. And I'm like, I was like, damn, what, you know, I bought, I've got the two I've got the Canon 1DX and I've got the 5D Mark III, which are kind of their top end cameras right now. And I'm just not seeing that, but I'm hoping, you know, they've, both those cameras now are, you know, four years, five years going on. So they're due for replacement. So I'm hoping that we're going to see something soon that will, you know, keep me on board again. I'm pretty invested in glass, like you say. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, a tough one to move from, but we'll see. 
who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But and the good thing with the glass, I think, is a lot of Sony's, even their nice high-end lenses, are a little less than some of the you know L series glass that Canon has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know it's a big hassle, and you know, when you do it. But if you sell some of your Canon lenses and they're still, you know, you have some L series glass, like that's all I did. It's like sold some of it and then reinvested it in Sony. And a lot of times it was a little bit cheaper. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I'm the weight thing for me is another big one, right? Like I'm looking to minimize and downsize. I'm not getting younger. Um, none of us, none of us get younger as the days go by. Yeah. Uh, if you figured yeah. out how to do that, please send me a note and let me know how. But you know, it's lugging around all that gear, and it's you know, I'm, I'm I feel it after you know a few hours. So definitely, any ways that I can minimize, uh, I'm looking for that. So awesome, good yeah. stuff. Well, let's move on. Um, we got a quick, we'll do a listener question this week. We've got a listener question uh, that was posted actually in our Facebook group. And I thought maybe uh, we could take a crack at it and give some advice. So uh, we got a question uh, from Byron Rivers. And Byron asks, uh, wedding photographers and prepayment uh, receivers, or I guess maybe retainers or deposits he's talking about, um, you know, how do you treat the cash paid today uh, in payment for an event that's nine to 12 months away, which may include print materials, et cetera? I can take cards, checks, and of course cash, but when I get them in these situations, what do I do with them? Help! So Brian wants some help. He wants to know what to do with that retainer and the deposit when he gets it. Robert, what would you advise to a buyer? Well, the one thing you have to, I think, think about with a retainer, um, of course, is cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can consider that when you are taking a retainer you have to i think consider the worst what if that person cancels on you so you need to evaluate uh that and even like what your cancellation policies are we don't have to get into that because i know we've talked about that on previous shows Mm -hmm. but um let's say you book a five thousand dollar package and you're like well should i take half um now or half later i mean that's a good way to look at it twenty five hundred dollars now you know and and that's i take a retainer and then uh two weeks prior to my event some people do a month they get the balance um yeah we do the same right so you have to look at you know what your policies are um my mindset and my packages are of course a little bit higher but um I take, you know, like maybe a third as the deposit um, because a lot of my, more of my expenses are going to come, I think, closer to the wedding. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might want to obviously consider too. I mean, you can always be, you don't have to have a set policy on what, you know, so we all are obviously a little bit slower in the winter and, but that's a lot of times when our booking season is. So maybe in the winter you need a little more cash flow. You move your $2,000 deposit up to $3,000. And, you know, you get maybe 500 more dollars per person, you know, also based on knowing when that wedding is, oh, maybe that's in June, that's in July, and you're slammed in those months. So, you know, your cash flow is going to be good in those months. So, you're just sort of like trying to help yourself out. Um, but again, you also have to consider, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, maybe you book a, a wedding in July and you have six weddings that month, so you know your cash flow is going to be great because you're getting a lot of balances. Maybe then you only take a $2,000 deposit when you would have taken a $3,000 deposit. But you have to consider if that person does cancel on you, what are you going to be left with for not working that day? And especially if it's the last minute, you know, they cancel a month or two out. You all should have policies in your contracts 
you know, the way mine is without getting into it, I have, I have 90 days or more out from the wedding for a cancellation, 60 to 90 days, and then 60 days or less. Um, and that's how I have my cancellation closets broken out. But if they cancel on you 60 days or less, chances are of you booking another event is a lot less than if they cancel six months out. Mm -hmm. So if they cancel on you and you've only, you know, you've only got a thousand dollar deposit on your $5,000 package, that's all you're getting paid for that weekend. Yeah. So you want to consider, I mean, that's my advice. Like you want to consider those things. Um, I think I gave you a lot to think about. Yeah. I think, I think also Byron kind of wanted to know like, what should you do with the cash? Like, should you spend the cash? Like, is it okay to go out and, and start spending that money or do you put it aside? And, and, and that's kind of a, you know, an account right. that you don't touch that until you've actually shot the event. What would your opinion be on that? Like, do you treat it as a... Well, like, I've never done that other than you should always put your percentage aside for your sales tax. Yep. Um, so that you, you know, you have that cover. So you could have a separate account that you take 10% of it or whatever it is. And, you know, you put that aside for your sales tax. So when sales tax due, you can, you can pay that. But the way I look at it, it's cash flow. You know, in the winter, I'm not shooting as many jobs as I am in the summer. So my deposits and, and those things uh, are my, my cash flow. Hopefully I've had a good summer and I've saved up money to get me through the winter too. Should I, you know, not get a ton of bookings then? Uh, but you have to consider that you have bills to pay. You have, if you have a, you know, if you have a good reserve, you know, you know, just let it sit in your bank account. Don't go spend it, you know, just because you booked 10 weddings in the winter and you're like, well, all of a sudden I have more of an inflow than I normally do. I'm going to go buy uh, a new Sony camera yeah. and then you don't have, you don't have the money a couple of months later. So you just have to be smart about your cash flow and planning uh, you know, knowing how many jobs you have in one month and when cash flow could be good and other months when it could be slow and prepare for that. Um, but that's, you know, what deposits are. It's just constantly money coming in, you know, deposits, balances, it's money coming into your business and you have to know what your bills are and your expenses are in any given month and make sure, you know, you're comfortable and you cover yourself. Because we all know it sucks to have a month when you don't have a ton of cash flow and you have a ton of bills. And inevitably it seems to work out that way where you have more bills in the month that you don't have the best cash flow in. Yep. And as always, you know, anything when it comes to this stuff, talk to your accountant as well, you know, get, you know, talk to your accountant and they can give you advice in terms of the, the accounting side of it. How do you record it? What does it, you know, it's technically it's, it's not revenue maybe because you haven't earned it. So it goes into more of a receivables. It, you know, again, these are discussions to have with your accountant um, and they can give you, you know, they can advise you in terms of the, how to deal with it. Right. But, um, right. you know, and from right. an accounting st standpoint, you know, accountant or your bookkeeper should be able to help you out there. So. Excellent. Well, good question. Uh, hopefully, Byron, that uh, gave you some some help with that question. Um, again, if you've got a question for the show, um, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com. You can leave your questions uh, or comments uh, in the blog post, or uh, you can do like Byron did. You can post a question in our Facebook group, um, or you can also email us a question. Uh, our email address, again, is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. All right. So before we wrap things up, we want to just quickly go through our picks of the week. And I think Robert already kind of hinted at his uh, pick of the week this week, but uh, he's going to share, you know, each episode we pick a photography related item uh, that we think would be benefit to wedding photographers. And our picks can be anything as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business <clears> of photography. <throat> Robert, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my inner Karnak and I'm going to guess <laughs> your pick this week is going to be a Sony camera. Yeah. You know, we might as well just go with the theme. So 
That was my choice was the uh, A6000, like I sort of alluded to earlier. Again, the reason if you're thinking about trying Sony, it's a great camera at a very inexpensive price to get into. For $550, uh, I believe you can get yourself a body. I think for another 100 it comes with a little kit lens. But my suggestion, if you want to buy a camera and a lens, um, depends again on what you shoot. Um, buy the Sony uh, A6000. Get yourself a 20 to 24, uh, tw sorry, 20, 24 to 70 uh, Zeiss lens uh, to go with that. Or, you know, it's kind of good medium. Or, again, if you want the action, you want a little bit longer of a lens, get the 70 to 200. It's a $1,400 lens. And, again, for around $2,000, you know, $2,200, you're going to have a really sweet camera system. I mean, I, I again, I, I go to that. Like you mentioned, I take it with me when I travel. I take it with me out on the boat when I fish to record my fish. I You know, it's just so many uses it's a, it's a walk around camera when i do street photography when i travel you know in different places it's just that lens you know typically in a 24 to 70 is a great just walk around you know keep at your side keep in a small bag super light you're gonna love it nice well maybe talk to talk to the folks at sony and let them know you know if they need if they're looking for some more brand ambassadors or artisans up here in canada <laughs> i'd be more than happy to take some some sony gear and, and take it out for a spin and and, uh, you know, share my thoughts on it. So if you know anybody, hook me up. All right. <laughs> well, my, uh, my pick of the week this week is just kind of a fun one. Um, I don't know if you've seen this website before or if you've gone to it. Um, it's called What Should We Call Wedding Fo Photography? Have you been to this site before? <laughs> I have not. Okay, you have to check it out because it's quite hilarious. So basically, it's I'll put a link in the show notes to the site. But basically, it's a um, it's a series of gifts, really funny gifts, um, and they're all related to wedding photography or just photography in general. So if you're a photographer, so one of them, you know, that's up there right now, a current one is uh, when you get a we want fall foliage photographs email in November, and then it's got you know kind of a gif of this girl she's laying in bed and it's saying, "Are you on crack?" So it's these kind of funny, you know, all the frustration things that we feel you know like my feelings as it gets closer and closer to december a month of no work and no pants and it's got this cat very like shifting very excited it's, it's a hilarious site so if you ever um get it right. if you, ever, you know uh, ever get a chance it's, and and it, what's the website what should we call weddingphotography.com it's what should we call weddingphoto.tumblr.com so it's a tumblr site got it and uh, there's a, like I say, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's all these gifts and some of them are pretty, uh, some of them are pretty funny. So if you're looking for a good laugh and you need a little bit of, uh, you know, need a little bit of humor, uh, check that out. They tend to post, you know, usually a new one every day or two. And uh, some of them are quite funny, but they're just a series of animated gifts that are pretty, uh, pretty funny. So if you're looking for a little humor. Well, that brings us uh, to the end of, of another episode of Twip Weddings. We want to thank our sponsors for their support and uh, remind our audience, uh, you know, send in your questions, your comments for the show, and uh, visit our Facebook group and get the discussions going there. So before we wrap up, uh, where can we go to find out, keep up with, with everything Robert Evans? Well, since we're talking Sony and uh, you want to – find out more about me, Sony, as an artisan and see some of my work, of course, you can go to Alpha Universe. I mentioned it earlier. It's alphauniverse.com. Click on Artisans, find my name, uh, myself, and, of course, all the other artisans you can read and learn about, and, of course, Sony cameras and products. If you want to see my website, it's robertevans.com. 
Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Robert Evans. And Facebook is Robert Evans Studios. Excellent. Good stuff. And if people are looking for me and want to follow our work, uh, you can find me over at our website, which is momentsindigital.com. And there you'll find our blog and all that good stuff. And you'll see if you follow our blog, you'll see what we've been up to, our recent shoots and things. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Bruce Clark. And that's Clark with an E at the end uh, at most of the usual suspects, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. So feel free to give me a follow or say hello. And with that, it brings us to the end of another episode of uh, Twip Weddings. Be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com for this show and other great shows on the Twip Network. And thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm-hmm.